Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill and I am your host. This is episode number 39 and joining me today is Deborah Lynn Hall. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Yes, yes. You are uh, for the for. Yeah, you are a we want to introduce you. Jeez, Louis. All right. You're an actor. I am. And and producer. And a producer. Yep. I've been producing acting for about ever and uh producing since about 2005 great yeah that's a nice nice start to right, and of course i don't know producing encompasses so much that if, I, I know you have you know the ins and outs of filmmaking and the processes directing and coaching actors yeah, yeah. and casting and you've yeah you I have haven't I (laughs) did you almost forget (laughs) I you know I I haven't written one yet I've often had people say we should write something it's like you know I I don't I don't want to do all the work I really don't so so I'm sure everybody knows but producing sounds so elevated really the definition of a producer is somebody who does the stuff nobody else wants to do Sometimes nobody else on set can do, but it's usually we're we're like moms, dads, janitors. We put the stuff together, so it's it can be glorifying, but it's usually just a lot of work. So if you're good at organization skills, you too could be a producer. Yes, putting putting stuff together, also yeah. keeping it together. Yes, putting out fires, cleaning messes. Yes. Uh, uh, managing personalities yes. and keeping everybody from killing each other. <laughs> a very good friend of ours, Tom Logan, a director, has said that his job as a director is to manage 200 people who are diabolically opposed to each other. Okay. I. Sure. <laughs> You've never been on a set where it felt like. No, that happens yeah. definitely, but I. I... I guess I try not to create those. I mean, of course, the idea is you don't want those environments. You don't actively seek out those environments. No. It's just human nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's start with the present a little bit. Okay. Um, actually, no. <laughs> okay. We've got a night. All right. Uh, we have, um, I wanted to give a little bit of where we are, who you are in relation to me. Because when I think of you, all right, first of all, geez, Eddie, figure this out. <laughs> you, to me, I met you for the first time when I was right out of college mm-hmm. and I wanted to explore the acting, the acting world. Right. And I landed on a play, uh, Rum Runners. Yep. And that was 2014, if I believe. If that's correct, that sounds 2013 right. Thirteen, yeah. maybe I don't know. Somewhere in that vein, right? Um, and you were uh, you were a lead on that on that 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 nice theater theater play. Yeah, that, that a, Bill Quimby musical. Absolutely, the yes. Classic Bill Quimby music genre. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I met you on that, and was was doing my my exploration in that in that zone. And shortly after, you swooped me up. For uh, and because I, I wanted to 
like I didn't know anything about acting. I, I did acting 101 as my last semester in college and uh, did the play, which is a whole experience on its own. Oh, yeah. Ensemble background, just trying to even sing for the first time. Oh, my <laughs> word. Oh. So after that, you had just jump-started your um, scene study class. I had. I had, yeah. And I was like, that is exactly what I'm looking for. It is perfect. And I got to see you work and see how you carried yourself. And I'm like, I trust this person. Let's do it. Let's move forward. So you were, um, you're definitely a part of the foundational fundamentals of how I've approached everything film since. Thank since you. Then. So I, Thank I take you. a lot from from uh, from those experiences 100%. So yes, so there's there's that um and then I've uh yeah, and we've kept in touch since and and you've been a big supporter of mine and I mm-hmm. appreciate it and mm-hmm. and we are currently in your home. We're in uh Reno, Nevada. Yep. And we're and uh where it looks like LA in the 70s outside with all the smoke from the fires is, surrounding, so it's bad right now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so that's that's my perception of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to talk about me, but <laughs> I'm going to though. <laughs> what is your what is how how do you view what what? You want me to talk now? Yeah. Okay. So that's my uh, question. so yeah. I mean, we did. We we met on the on the set, the stage of uh, a musical Rum Runners with, uh, by Bill Quimby and Marva Del Giorgio. Marva Del... Susie. Marva, you're out there. She's in the UK. Um, and uh, I had moved back. I'd been in LA for mm. several years, from 2007 until about 2012. And while I was down there, I was studying... I was studying scene study with Joe Police, And um, he gave me permission to teach his method up here, so that's really the scene study course that mm-hmm. that you got uh, you got to experience, and um, and it's very much about being human, you know. And so it's not big, broad, stagey proscenium theater acting. It's just you know acting like the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's specifically for the screen versus the stage, or does it? You know, it, it translates. Okay. I mean, if you were performing at Pioneer Theater or at the Pantages mm, in L.A., mm. no, you've got to be bigger and bolder and, you know, much more broad, mm-hmm. uh, flamboyant character. But uh, for most theater, at least on the West Coast, most of it is like black box theater, community theater, mm-hmm. um, well, Restless Artist Theater. The Sometimes during a show we have to make sure the patrons get their feet off the stage because the audience is that that close to us. So when they're that close, you just don't want to be screaming at them. Mm -hmm. Right? Right? I mean, so for that kind of intimate theater, there is no difference really between between film and theater, Mm -hmm. which I kind of like, you know. And even the modern plays that are written after uh, the year 2000 are much more intimate and uh, slice of life. Yeah. No, that, that that makes sense now that you now that you explain it. So yeah, and of course. Yeah, so you know, acting is reacting. Acting is uh, more than saying the dialogue. And and what I loved when you came in is to the scene study class mm-hmm. is you really really embrace that. You know, 
um, you really uh, got in the head of the character. You know, you wanted to understand who this person is, and that's really what acting is all about. And, and you took the same approach when you started when you went behind the camera, mm -hmm. of really understanding how the information gets translated to the screen. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, my, my, I don't remember too much specifically about the class, like about the scenes I put sure. up or anything like that. I, I mostly remember the anxiety of trying to, <laughs> trying to just do the thing at all. Acting is very difficult. And, um, no, it was, it was a great experience. And I, I do not feel like I ever quite... 100% landed in the actor brain, but uh, well, it was... But you, it, found your, you found your talent on the other side of the camera, though. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, But it helps you as a director mm -hmm. and a filmmaker to understand the process that's going on in front of the camera. 100%. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, um, speaking about the present, uh, you, you mentioned Restless Artist Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking to me before about jumping into the director chair for for some stuff coming up for, for that company. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, sure. So I, I do a little bit of both at Restless Artists Theater. Up here in Reno, everybody's got an acronym for their name. So we're RAT. And we have a big six-foot Stanley RAT is our mascot. Mm. I know. Now we have Doe. It's a long story. Well, maybe we'll put the... Uh, website in there you guys can check it out but of course we were closed during the pandemic everybody was mm -hmm. and so we got to open back up this july we did two plays one is running currently this weekend and next weekend mm -hmm. with a couple of short runs so i was on stage for edward albie's occupant and i'll be on stage for our christmas play which is deer which is not tinselly and singing. We do the anti-Christmas play. Not that we're anti-Christmas. We just feel people need an option. Uh, and then next spring, I'm going to be directing both Marjorie Prime, which will probably be sometime in April, May. And then our summer show will be admissions. That'll be done during mm. Art Town. So you're directing two of those? I'm shows. directing two, yeah. Last year, I directed Slow Girl. We closed Slow Girl, and then the pandemic closed everything else, so... Okay. Yeah. So I was. Yeah. So what is the uh, the next? What's the next uh, story that that you mentioned the one that you're directing? Uh, Marjorie Prime. Yeah. What's what's that about? So Marjorie Prime is actually a science fiction play, mm. and it deals with aging and memory, and how do we want to remember, and how do we choose to remember. Okay. So it's uh, it's really an interesting play. It's got. Uh, How do we want done? those? Are very yeah. Those are very interesting themes. I mean, you know, memory is it's the uh, Marjorie has is she's eighty five years old and she is suffering from dementia. Mm -hmm. So it's a look at how. Um, how human beings choose to forget things. You know, when things are too painful, we have a tendency to choose to forget them, um, not even consciously. And the conflict that causes those that still remember. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a comedy. <laughs> it, 
It kind of has a, well, it's got yeah. a science fiction ending, so it's good. Okay, okay. All right, yeah, I I mean, that sounds like a, I, I, it sounds like a story that would definitely need some comedic uh, um, asides or, you know, kind of. Uh, you said that you said it's a is it a comedy or is it a drama that has like comedic things that keep keep you kind of like it's kind of like a a dramedy. I mean, it's okay. got some lightheartedness. Not to give a spoiler, sure, sure. this isn't a spoiler, but um, Senior Serenity, which is the company that makes primes, Marjorie Prime, the company that makes primes, uh, Prime is actually a cyborg. And the prime looks like someone in your past, and then you tell the story um, to them, and then they can relate it as it firsthand. And so Marjorie's prime is her husband Walter. Now Marjorie's in her eighties; her Walter is in his twenties. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's great. It's great. Is the is it cast yet? Have you gone through that process? No, we're just starting the casting process. We had uh, we had season auditions mm -hmm. last weekend. We saw forty two mm. amazing people. Mm. Uh, the first play coming up is Emily, Le Marquis du Châtelet defends her life tonight. Doug is directing that, and he's just cast that one. Mm. So now we'll kind of start the casting process. We're really talking about because we don't know. Um, if we're going to get to keep open or not, right? That's kind of all still in flux. So we have six plays that we're we're doing this season. Um, we're kind of trying to base them and cast them. I don't know if we can do it as we go. It's it's kind of a dilemma because there's a part of us that really wants to cast the actors and let them know it's in pencil. I mean, mm -hmm. if we close down, we close down. I think that it would be lovely as an actor if you know that you're cast and a projected date and you can kind of start to look forward to that. Yeah, um, prep and yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, or, or will people be more disappointed if they think they're going to get it and then it falls through, which happens okay. in the film industry all the time, sure. but not so much in the theater industry. So we're kind of trying to find a happy medium there. So feel free to weigh in out there in TV land podcast land so let's uh we can talk I, i'm curious to hear about um your directing style and why you direct certain ways and what your plan of attack is or how that changes and i'm also talking casting too because that, that's a that's a thing uh, yeah that, a whole that, different everybody thing. So, everybody wants to know how to get cast right so and you know what they so here's the thing right if, if you get cast Take it back to a headshot, okay? okay. It won't be a long story. But oh, if, if you've got a headshot, right, and you're getting you're getting auditions for things that you're not really fond of doing. Let's say you keep getting called in to be the bully, right? Mm -hmm. And you're really a sweet guy. You're not a bully. Well, why do you get called in to be a bully? Well, you have to look at your headshot because that's the first thing a casting director sees. And even in theater, we keep the headshot and we'll go through them periodically when we're looking to cast a show. So the first thing to look at is, is your headshot representing you the way you want to be represented? Okay? It's more than a pretty picture. It's the first thing we see. Um, so when I cast, 
especially so we do black box theater. It's, it's like I said, it's a very intimate theater. The audience is two feet away. Yeah, they're nearly involved, yeah. Right. So I can wiggle some of the characteristics of the of the cast, but it's easier if it's quick to spot on. So you're going to get typecast. It, it's just not a bad thing. Be really good at the type that you'd be cast as. When it comes to directing, I'm not one that really requires actors to be off book the first day of rehearsal. Me personally, I get a lot of satisfaction out of going through that process and mm -hmm. working with the other actors and kind of feeling my way through it. Yeah. Um, we do give at least basic blocking right away so that... And we're talking theater mm -hmm. directing specifically. Theater yeah. directing specifically. In, in film, your blocking 99% of the time relies on where the camera's set up. In theater, you're going to occupy the stage space for about two hours. Um, so in a way, it's more organic, even though it's in a pretend space. So yeah, we kind of get them into blocking right away mm -hmm. and, and then start working the play in pieces, whether it's uh, characters that have scenes together. Um, I like to break it down, or to, it's called French scening whenever possible. So you may do these two characters if they've got five pages in act one and, and three pages in scene four and all that, we could rehearse all those in one day. So they're getting kind of their through line. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. the way the play runs. Uh, a lot of times the play isn't put fully together in a linear uh, run until really tech week, the week before we open. My job as a director, once the play is cast, really in pre-production is to create the environment for the characters. So to do whatever I can, and in community theater, it's a pretty limited budget, but to do whatever I can to, to create that space that I see in my mind mm -hmm. so that as the actors take the stage, it gives them as much uh, practical and sensory input so that it makes it easier for them to let the character take over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Yeah? And I do it a lot. We do we, lighting is huge. Um, our stage is, is relatively small, so we don't have big pieces of furniture and stuff that we use very often. So it's a lot of lighting. I use sound. Uh, a lot of times uh, I'll have sound running throughout and very low, so it just kind of sets the ambiance. Um, and working with actors, sometimes in the script there's something tangible that the author has put in as far as a prop or mm -hmm. uh, a touchstone for the actor. If there isn't something there, I'll work with the actor and, and, you know, kind of get their feedback on, you know, how do they, if an actor, if a character has a stuffed animal or a, a scarf or something along those lines that they feel kind of um, yeah. fulfills them. Yeah, I was going to go back to um, blocking a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was curious because I've never directed theater, and like you said, it's a it's a it's a different weird spatial 
dynamic you have with an audience and right. how prominent somebody is and how to make them prominent and all that kind of stuff. Do you spend much time? Is it a process that you go through before you jump into rehearsal where you oh, yes. where you know spacings and blocking? Yeah, or, and, yeah, yeah. And, and we have uh, at, at Rap Theater, we have what's referred to as a, as a semi-thrust stage. So we have audience on three sides. So the most of the audience is uh, right in front of the stage, and then we have a little bit on the sides. Mm -hmm. So there are times in the play when an actor has their back to a portion of the audience. And so in directing, we have to be really cognizant of that. We use the 45 degree angles a lot, the corners of the stages, um, but keeping enough movement happening so that no patron is blocked for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we use crosses a lot, have the actors change spaces, we'll use lighting to kind of illuminate different parts of the stage to help, you know, focus the attention where where the story's being told for mm -hmm. the actors. So yeah, and that all happens. That's all pre-production. That that's that work. In fact, I'm starting on that work now for Marjorie Prime. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I was thinking of like rehearsal is also pre-production. So I was mm -hmm. trying to clarify like pre-pre and mm -hmm. pre. Yeah, this is pre-pre. <laughs> this is and and really, um, I've been working with this particular theater company. Mm -hmm. Well, I co-founded it with Doug Mishler. Uh, five years ago. So um, we've been working very closely and we know each other's work, but for directors who submit a play and would like to mm -hmm. direct a play with our theater company, um, they actually have to submit, you know, the director's vision for the play, how they imagine the blocking to be, um, what kind of set design that they're thinking of so that we can make sure that it fits within literally the physical space of what we're doing and we make sure that we can get the play produced on time and we have enough pre-production time to be with the cast mm -hmm. so okay. rehearsal time so in theater pre-production is pretty much before we go into rehearsal okay yeah all right and then rehearsal okay and then rehearsal which can be it depends on the piece it depends on the cast it depends on everybody's time i mean the shortest rehearsal time is three weeks that then you pretty much better come off book. Uh, if you've got people that have the time to spend more time with it, or uh, teaching is also part of our, our mission statement of our theater company, uh, it can go as long as six to eight weeks. Mm. Now, that's not five days a week, eight hours a day by any means. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. has jobs, so we're grabbing a couple hours here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Great. I want to jump... Um, to the past. Okay. And hear about the the journey. Uh, like you mentioned, your your stint in LA. Mm -hmm. Like what took you? What you what you're doing before Los Angeles? You're doing casting for a while in Reno. You had a company here. You've produced features. You've like. Okay, let's, let's get a little go. timeline. So that's okay. yeah, that's where did did you go to school for acting in the arts and film in any capacity? Let's do we, do we want to yeah, start there? Yeah, sure, sure. School? Sure. Okay, so um, <laughs> when I was four years old, okay, my parents had a fireplace and it had a hearth on it, right? So it was brick about gay tall and gay wide, yeah, and uh, that became my stage when I was four years old. 
and I was, I memorized every musical I could get a hold of. I did uh, Abbott and Costello routines. So when I got into high school, I got into drama and I did drama in high school in the musicals and all of that. And I don't know why, really, but well, yeah, because I think my father said he wouldn't pay for me to get a degree in acting. So no, I didn't go to school to get a degree in performing arts. Um, I learned it on the street. I learned it in community the theater. I learned it in uh, any sort of production anybody would do. Yeah, I was up in Santa Rosa, California, and if somebody said, hey, do you want to do You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown for the state fair, county fair? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So a lot of it's a blur. But um, then I became a grown-up, and oh, I thought, well, so I have to leave this behind, right? So I I got a real job and was miserable and did all that and eventually fell in love and got married and had a son and the son got into uh, middle school and wanted to do theater. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be an encouraging mother because I wish I had been encouraged more. So I encouraged him and I, I now tell parents, I'm sorry, your, your child's an actor? I'm so sorry because it will never leave. So in 2002, when our son got involved in theater, mm. oh, mm. it was like a bad drug. I'm just telling you, it was like, oh my God, it never went away. I'd always been in front of people. I'd always been a presenter. I'd sure. spoken, and the acting bug just was right there. So I had the opportunity to go to Pasadena to work with a company down there that had a trading facility up here. So I went down there and I got the headshots and agents and so your son's your son being interested mm -hmm. triggered re-triggered your your fire mm -hmm. relit your fire and then what prompted what prompted you to act on it was it I had the most supportive husband in the world that said go do this so for 2 years I was 10 days in LA and 4 days up here mm. And eventually, that got old. So, sure, sure. came back up here, bought a Nevada casting, bought a casting company that also worked could work up in Nevada as a talent agency. And so I had that, and we were producing some short films. I co-produced a feature film. A company came in here. We did a lot of met a ton of actors. Uh, did a sitcom on uh, public access television. Mm -hmm. It was great, right? And then <laughs> I learned that I could not be a SAG actor owning Nevada Casting because in Nevada, it's not just a casting company, it's casting and talent agency. It's an mm. employment company. Mm. And that's against SAG rules. I mean, an actor can own a casting company, but they can't have any financial interest, at least in 2000s of a talent agency. So I sold it because that was kind of always my dream. So I went back down to LA, kind of shuttled back and forth again, got some awesome training, which made a huge difference in my ability to do everything and anything on stage in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, moved back in 2012. I moved down there in 2007, and then the writers went on strike, so there was no work. And then kind of came back from that. And then 2012, it was just... It was time to come back. It was time to do more, mm -hmm. you know? I'd had a taste of producing. I did a little bit of producing of some SAG projects down there. I became a SAG signatory producer down there. And so I saw an opportunity to come back up here. Nevada was starting to really push for some film incentives. And I thought, this is a great time to to come back up here and help folks up here kind of get ready for the for the film industry. Sure, sure. Yeah. Building up Reno versus yeah. versus um I'll call it being the being the cog in LA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. And I like the creation aspect of the industry. I mean, I can do administration. It's not my it's not my thrill. I love kind of, you know, getting in the dirt and molding it. And there was a great opportunity to do that up here. So you, you brush over many years very quickly. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to hear about the pain the, and the suffering. The and the, the, yeah, or I'm sure it can't, it can't all be pain and suffering. No, no, no. But there's a, there's a lot of it. I mean, a lot of both in front of and behind the camera, a lot, the, the most that you have to learn is to get out of your own way. There is no really on-the-job training. If you're struggling booking, whether it's production jobs or, or acting jobs, you're sabotaging yourself. You're looking for somebody to tell you you're good enough. Now, this is human nature, and we're raised to do this from the time we're children, right? Oh, you, you giggle and, and your parents think, oh, that's so wonderful, and they love it. And so you giggle again so that they love it again. But as an actor, and, and I think probably as crew to a certain extent too when you're going into to work, you have to have the confidence that you know you can do it, which means you can't do everything. I will never book a job. I will never be able to take a job away from Morgan Freeman for very obvious reasons, not just the fact that he's an A-lister, but obvious reasons, because I can't be Morgan Freeman. But God, I'm the only person on the planet who can be me. So embrace you. You've got to be you first. You can develop skill set to morph into different hats that you wear, but it's got to be you. When you show up with that level of confidence, producers, casting, directors, they feel confident having you on the set. Writers feel confident handing you their pages. I can't play everything. I, I used to say, well, I can be whatever you want me to be, but I can't. But I'm really good at being me. And if I'm not right for the project, then that's okay. I'm not right for the project. So find the you that's you and spend your time becoming that. There was a Edward Albee who wrote the play The Occupant. Louise Nevelson, who's an actual sculptor, lived uh, in the last century. Amazing woman. Powerful woman. 
feisty woman. I fell in love with her. But he, he gives her this great line, and he knew her personally. He gives her this great line. She says, if you're lucky, you find out who you're, no, if you're lucky, you become who you want to be. And if you're really lucky, you become who you're supposed to be. And then she says, no, no. If you're lucky, you find out who that you is, what that you is, and you become it. People who don't become are, well, look around. And that's the truth. Find you. Become you. There's only you. There's only one you. Become it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I feel like it always comes down to. Mm -hmm. But Deborah, how, how do I find me is what the audience is asking. What? Because, I mean, it's a very difficult thing, first of all, to get a glimpse, like, to get that feel, like, just feel that mm -hmm. is very hard to find. It's like, oh, okay, cool, I felt something there. Is that me? Is that not me? And then having the confidence to chase that version of yourself or to, like, that's a whole other step yeah. to become, like, it's all very, very, uh, it's very difficult. For sure. And it's but, scary. Very scary. It, it's scary. It's scary because in that process of finding you, do you miss out on something else? Do you put relationships at risk? Do you put your career at risk? 100%, yeah. And the answer is yes and no. So there's an author, you can get his book still through Amazon, called Kevin McCarthy. And he wrote a book called The On-Purpose Person. And it's it's... It's a, a exercise in discovering who you are, what your purpose mm -hmm. is. Everybody has a purpose. Now, if you're comfortable thinking it's your God-given purpose, that's great. If you're comfortable thinking it's your spiritual higher conscience, it, does, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. You, you came here with a purpose. And this book helps define, helps you define your purpose down to a sentence. Okay, here's the good news. You are not far from your purpose, wherever you are in life right now, because subconsciously you have known this all along. So you have already been making choices that have you in the vicinity of what it is you intended to do. Now, how do you know? Because it's your bliss. It's not work. It's not struggle. It's not miserable. It's not always easy, but it's very simple. Um, there's a lot of metaphysical philosophers who wrote books, uh, 1910, 1903, Science of Getting Rich, all of that is, is out of that metaphysical philosophy that basically states that when the passion is there, everything you need the entire supply of the universe that you need to fulfill your desire is available. Once the passion shows up, everything's available. But a lot of times we're afraid of the passion. We're afraid of making that statement. But the power is the statement. So mm -hmm. you feel it. You feel your way through it. We are, we are emotional beings. We're vibrational beings. 
Yeah, I just read um, The Alchemist for the first time. Oh, yes. And then it's very much everything that you just said as well. Because mm-hmm. it's a, they ha- he, in the story it's written as the personal legend. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same exact thing is like the universe will assist in the, the pursuit of that personal legend. You just got to be looking out for the omens and right. be, be present and aware and looking for those things. And here's the thing. The universe has no choice. The universe is amoral. You don't get what you deserve. You kind of don't even get what you believe in. But you do get 100% of what you focus on. And we as beings have the ability to choose what we give our attention to. So if your life is, you're getting a bunch of stuff from the universe that you don't like, you're participating in that. You've got to shift your focus. And, and it's, it could be minor shifts. Uh, but, but it's the law of polarity. You know, everything you want is on one side and everything you don't want is on the other side. And you get what you give your attention to. Every time, without a doubt. So what I'm taking from all this is that essentially you weren't getting what you wanted in Los Angeles and it was Mm -hmm. time to shift over Mm -hmm. and uh, mix it up and chase chase it. Yeah. Yeah. And some of it was, a lot of it was letting go because I was, I was trying so hard to be an actor. I was trying so hard to get attention. I was, I was seeking validation for my talent. But what I was focusing on was the absence of it, the absence mm-hmm. of bookings, the absence of auditions, the absence of opportunities. So guess what I got a lot of? Absence? I mean, I wish I'd known then what I know now. Oh, well, next life. <laughs> or, or this life. Or this life. <laughs> you never know. Uh, okay. So uh, uh, you mentioned casting. We, we I want to dive into that a little bit more too sure. since um we heard your arc already with that where you you started it and then you sold it for the reason of 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 being available for sag right or uh yeah so you talked a little bit about headshot and again knowing who you are presenting that um how do I really get cast? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so your headshot is your introduction. It's your business card. Don't just look for a pretty headshot, okay? But a headshot that you look at and you go, yeah, I can show up looking like this, mm-hmm. okay? And I know that kind of sounds silly, but oftentimes when we have headshots done and we have somebody else do our hair and somebody else do our makeup and then they retouch it and then we look at it and we go, oh, I can't reproduce that. That's not a good headshot. I mean, you're better off being messy and being able to confidently walk in the room, look like that, because they call you in from your headshot. So you know that's what they're expecting. But if your headshot's too perfect, it's good. you're going to undermine yourself. Okay, there is room out there for everyone. I don't know if they're still doing in LA, if they're still doing the, you know, have all these different looks. Um, But you're only going to have pretty much one that you send out a lot. Uh, If you've got an agent, usually when they submit and get an audition for you, I think they still send you uh, a copy on there of uh, which picture they used, hopefully, so you have an idea. If they don't ask, 
so you know what what the yeah, casting is expecting you to show up as. Yeah, what's right? working. Yeah. Right, right. Um, COVID has changed so much. Self tapes. Yeah, self tapes are a big deal. Get take a workshop and figure out in your environment how to do self tapes. Um, I don't know if casting directors are starting to do generals again because that's kind of small group. It's not a big open space. But getting to know the casting directors is is really the best way to get cast. Um, your resume work, if you don't have a lot of, of experience yet on your resume, constantly be studying. I, even in Zoom classes. I mean, I taught uh, my classes Zoom over the summer last year, and, and it worked. I mean, you're kind of like practicing for your close-up. But... Um, I will I will cast somebody with a lot of training and little experience probably quicker than I will cast somebody with little experience or with little training and a lot of experience. If you've got training, it means you're directable. It means you know how to listen. It also means you're serious about the craft. You're not just spitting dialogue. Yeah, I was thinking about. Um, I just got I just got done script supervising for a, a nice a nice little indie feature, and I remember there was a, f a few moments when the director would pull out like her phone and show off some like self tapes that that were like memorable to her. Either we were yeah. Uh, it <laughs> there was this one woman who was cast, and her self tape. It, we're kind of laughing at it. For the one reason that the person acting across from her, like reading for the self tape, mm -hmm. was like her seven year old daughter. So it was, I kind of like had a warm heart because, like, she's, you know, there's no one else around to sure, read for her. Sure. She's pursuing this thing. And so it's like this little girl is reading off this, like, raunchy dialogue to her <laughs> mom. <laughs> and, like, cussing at her mom a little bit. It's kind of like, that's why we're laughing. Little girl's like, you bitch. And then. I was like, all right, well, this is kind of adorable. And the mom has to play it as, like, this guy is yelling at her. Right, <laughs> so right. Like, wow. That that would be making it hard on yourself. But, you know, you, you, you work you with what do. you got. You Absolutely. Gotta... So it was kind of, like I said, heartwarming, but also... Uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I was Awkward. Like, I was like, shut up, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> it's like, well, you don't have a neighbor that could yell at you? <laughs> that's one of the... Yeah, that's the issue. I've heard this many times from multiple friends with... Self tapes are such a huge thing right now that finding a reader that's available that much, you're gonna drive your significant other crazy to ask them to read for every audition you're doing that week. Oh my or god! Whatever, so. Or if you're doing plays, poor Ken. By the time a play opens, he knows my lines better than I know them. Oh, he yes. could he could understudy because <laughs> he reads with me. But um, but okay. But here again, if you're if you're in training, if you're in a class with somebody. You know, other actors are more than willing to help they, you with your self-tapes. They have apps for that now, too, where yeah. I think you can just go on there and be like, hey, I'm looking for a reader. Yep. And then, bloop. Yep. You got somebody. Yeah, we're a resourceful that? bunch. Hooey. Okay. <laughs> um, casting. What is it? Uh, I'm always curious... 
because like you mentioned, coming coming to Reno, there was the talk of the incentives. There's like yeah. the the potential growth. I've always it always feels like that's the Reno narrative of we're on the verge of some right. sort of um, industry industry in right. film or yeah specifically film is where my head is at. How. I've almost been gone three years now, which is very exciting for me. Yeah. How, how has it been? As a, uh, is there any... <laughs> <laughs> sure. I won't mention names. Sure. Um, so we had a couple of unfortunate things happen. Um, now, a little backstory. Nevada is a big state, not just wise, but we're long. So right now in Reno, Nevada, we're about parallel with San Francisco. Okay, Vegas is parallel with L.A. So there's a lot of state in there. And Las Vegas is about a four-hour drive away from Los Angeles, not including traffic. So there was a lot of films that were already going over to Vegas to produce and shoot and that kind of thing. We're not so close, but technically we had an advantage that we're just like a one-hour flight to LAX. We are a right-to-work state, so it would be a lot less expensive to film here in many ways. When we got the film incentive, what we needed up here in Reno was to take some of that money and to put it into training production, not actors, production. Because what happened when the Film Incentive did finally get authorized through, and we had companies looking up here, you know. Um, we didn't have crew. We, we didn't have trained crew. Low-budget films don't have time to do a lot of on-the-job training. So they're key, they bring their key people, and everybody else needs to be local and work as a local. And we didn't have people trained, so we were not financially viable for these films to come up. Because if they have to bring all their own crew, they're not saving any money. So it was unfortunate that um, the individuals who were leading the charge in that didn't have the knowledge to, to be able to foresee that until it was too late. They had spent the money going down and courting the film companies to come up here and film. And they thought that was wonderful until they realized that there was no crew. So then our film incentive and some other state money got reallocated. reallocated. Thank you. Good term. Reallocated. Now it is still back there, but that, that initial blush of opportunity mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of had a lot of promo money and stuff going to it, I, that unfortunately had... Missed its mark, yeah, as they say. I mean, that was even okay. Like you're saying, that's, that's a little bit of foundation building mm -hmm. for for Nevada. Because I know like, when I was living here, like Mustang was a big one that took advantage of the incentive, mm -hmm. and it took like the entire state to kind of crew that up. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of Vegas people had to come up, and then we had a handful of Reno folk that could do. You know, they they put people in charge of it who had. Uh, worked with uh, in film incentives in other states, but they just that that piece of the puzzle was missing, and mm -hmm. um, 
by the time it was realized, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the films that were looking to come up here had to go somewhere else because they, they had been green light lit, so they had to go film elsewhere. Yeah, they couldn't wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, okay, so... Um, so it's kind of been a little stagnant since then, is my assumption. Yeah, we've or? got a, we've got some some small independent films that have come through. Um, a lot of low budget horror films. Uh, there's just another one that that shot up here. Um, Heard some Hallmark stuff. Yes, the Hallmark comes out. I mean, it's beautiful up. Here. Well, not today with the smoke, but you know, we've got Lake Tahoe up here. I mean, you can go within forty five minutes. Uh, from Reno proper, and we've got a, a large airport that's easy to fly in and out of. But within 45 minutes, you can be in the middle of a, of a desert, you can be up in snow-capped mountains, you can be in heavily wooded areas, you can be at a pristine lake. Uh, the, the location possibilities in northern Nevada are, are they're stunning. They're absolutely stunning. Um, but you got a crew. Somebody, somebody, somebody's got to go get coffee, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and cater and all that stuff. Yeah. I know that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you had mentioned, um, I mean, the acting side specifically, because you are currently coaching at mm-hmm. Take Two Performer mm-hmm. Studio. And you had mentioned that there was four actors that just made their jump to LA as of late. Yeah, yeah, two in May and then two more in June. Mm-hmm. And I used to. <laughs> I feel like I've been gone so long. <laughs> I say back in the day, people used to reach out to me when they were moving because I knew because of Reno Film Collective, I, I knew who everybody was. Right. And they'd be like, "Hey, I'm moving down." Like nobody reaches out anymore except like you, Grant. Yeah. Grant, you mentioned yeah. you were the connecting dot on that, and we'll see where that goes. But uh, I, yeah, I guess I'm trying to gauge the Reno landscape and see if like if there's what's what's going on. Like I always have hope for. Yeah. There's always potential brewing. Well, there could be. You know, I mean, it's it's look the whole industry. It always comes down to money. Everything comes right? down to money. Right? It just comes down to money. Um, sure, sure. I, I, think, I think that a lot of filmmakers up here are getting to where they're making some really good product. So this is true both behind the camera or in front of the camera. You've got to be making good product. If you're an actor, you've got to be doing phenomenal things. You... When you go into an audition, whether it's a general audition for theater or for a casting director, you've got to deliver the goods, right? You've got to show you put the work in. You know what you're doing. You know your craft. Talent is lovely, okay? Talent is great, but talent without skill set is hard to work with. So... Know your craft, okay? Know your skill set. Know what's expected of you. Be better skilled than you need to be, especially if you're starting out and starting out with some small projects. You know, you want to be the person that they go, oh my gosh, I want to work with them again. They made it so easy. You know, they made it run smoothly. 
we're all going to start in low budget and low budget is low budget which means there's not a lot of money for retakes so if you can get it in one or two takes and move on you're valuable and I see it happening more up here work with good material mm -hmm. you know um, I say that even as to directors have a solid script. Have it go through the vetting process. Go through the rewrites. Get it in front of table reads. Yeah, set people up for success. Right, yeah. because everything will go smoother and... It'll be better. Filmmakers, <laughs> don't say, gee, kids, let's film this weekend when you don't have anything written. Please. Do your well. pre-production. Get used to pre-production. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to pull out the camera and just have some fun. But, you know, if, if you're actually doing something that is budgeted, 100%. Pu put the pre-production time into it. Your life will be so much happier <laughs> if you have less fires to put out while you're filming. It really will. And a lot of this you can see ahead of time if you put in that work. Yeah. Now, I was going to throw on top, too, since you're... Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the craft and being mm -hmm. being solid so you're kind of saving the production time you're delivering mm -hmm. great stuff a few takes you can move on every you know everybody's happy at that point oh, the director's yeah. getting what they want the producers are you know all, all the stuff works on top of that there's also a lot of time you spend on set that isn't in front of the camera most <laughs> so being workable during all that extra time is also very important. So mm -hmm. being easy to work with the other 95% of the time you're there is, which may be the bigger make or break on whether, whether or not they want to work with you again than actually what you deliver on camera. Oh God, I have to tell stories on myself. Okay, do so it. So when I was first down there, I'd show up on set like, an hour early thinking that was a good thing it's not a good thing they don't have any place to put you they're not ready for you mm. um there was the first commercial i worked on and i was in a, we had trailers which was so cool right but i was sitting in this trailer and i didn't understand i i i, I was completely ignorant of how long everything mm. took so i'm sitting in my trailer and i'm afraid they've forgotten about me which was stupid. Now, I was a grown-ass woman. It's not like I was some seven-year-old who this is excusable. I was over 40. I should have known better, but I did not, or I forgot, or I got in my head, and I got really insecure. So then I started kind of wandering around to make sure they knew I was still there. It was not good. It was not good. What happened? Well, I didn't get fired, but I didn't get asked back. <laughs> They're like... I was too needy. I was too high maintenance. I was too needy. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, okay. No, I, I buy that for sure. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you weren't creating any sort of chaotic, like you weren't being a diva in a sense. No. You were like, hey, look at me. I'm here. I want to be seeing. It was like, that's a little bit of a different yeah but it's still that needy energy I mean it's not demanding energy but it's it's still that needy energy and your energy is is it's feelable it's you know and 
when they're trying to set up for production, they've got they've got enough needy energy on set already. They don't need actors to be needy. <laughs> so it so it wasn't it wasn't destructive, but it was it it was less than beneficial for me personally. I had a thought and I lost it. But yeah. um I was thinking about um I have an excuse. I'm old. <laughs> Neediness on set. Stay in your trailer. Don't cause I a don't problem. Know. I don't know. No? Okay. I don't know. I just think about uh, something to do with media actors, but I don't know what it was. It'll come back. It'll come back. Um, so I think, like you mentioned, I'll jump to something else. You were talking okay. about... Uh, don't she? That wire is giving you trouble, right? There. I, I just, I'm just becoming self-conscious of it. It's fine. It's fine. I, I have a wire. I'm on a mic, so. <laughs> um, where you're like, don't just go and shoot something on the weekend and expect it to work out with the script and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I had my defense ready to go. <laughs> but then you specified, if it's a budgeted thing, please. Put the pre-production. Pre-production, yeah. 100%. But then I wanted to remind people that doing both um, if because like the whole thing with with um not having experienced crew mm -hmm. in town it's like well it's because nobody's learning on the job doing anything so they can't show up so it's like at least put yourself in a position to where you're practicing oh, yeah. the craft and that yeah so think of it i, I like to think of it this way yeah yeah um, so think mm -hmm. no that's okay so think of it as a screen test okay Back in old Hollywood, they would bring two actors in for a screen test. That meant you were really close to getting cast, okay? And what they were looking for is, uh, are the actors comfortable in front of the camera? Is there chemistry? Do they work well together? Do they seem believable, okay? So if you want to pick up friends and a camera and go shoot something for the weekend, think of it as a screen test, okay? You're you're, you're seeing, do you work together well as a crew? Is there a good understanding? You know, can you, like Eddie said, can, can you give somebody some on-the-job training and show them how to do setups? But you're doing screen tests. You're not making an indie film yet. By the time it's a film, there are so many components. Um, I don't want people to be discouraged by thinking it's easy. As I tell people, if there's an Academy Award given for it, it's because it's difficult. So if what you're doing could theoretically win an Academy Award, there's a skill set involved there. So yeah, absolutely. Pick up the camera, have some fun, get out there and see what you create on the fly, kind of like improv. It's a screen test. You could get lucky. You could, you know, Sunday night, you could review the film and go, hey, wait a minute, we kind of have something here. You know? Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. happens. So getting back one more time to casting. Yes. What? I was going to ask a dumb question. What do you? <laughs> oh, how do you figure out what to go for? No. Oh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to ask about... Um, you kind of said it already. I was going to ask about the takeaways from the experience of, of casting, but 
or uh, or like the do's and don'ts, or the or the what Reno has to offer in general. It's all very interesting. Up here, and 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 it's more of your time, but it, it'll be some of the most satisfying work you do. Do theater. You, you will get so much more grounded in your skill set because you have to say those lines a lot. I mean, in film, sometimes you get to say your line twice and then they move on, which isn't really satisfying. <laughs> I was like, that, that was it? So do theater. Um, Reno has a lot to offer. At this point in time, it doesn't pay. Because we, do, and, and really theater, you got to pretty much be in New York for paid theater. I mean, like a, a livelihood. Um, we get some films up here. They're mostly low-budget films. So there's pay, but you can't quit your day job. So you do whatever you can as a talent. And it, your talent, whether you're in front of the camera or behind the camera, your talent, okay? You do whatever you can to get really, really good at your skill set. What's the other part you were asking about? Casting? Yeah, I was asking about the, the Reno casting landscape on what kind of... I mean, it sounds like you're kind of well, hitting on it. It's, yeah. It's, it's, so theaters, the theaters here, we, we actually were meeting with the other community theaters here, and we're looking at trying to get something that's going to be community-wide going by next year as far as a general... Like a casting pool? Yeah, by being able to do a general audition and then having a database where everybody's in there, so as talent... We, we would have, and so if I need a 32-year-old Caucasian male, I could pull up headshots, kind of similar to what LA Casting does and SF Casting having a, a, a database. So we're looking at doing that. Um, yeah, that sounds like something that's... I remember, because I helped out with RAT for a while, mm -hmm. and I remember uh, there was a whole... It sounds like something that's probably been in the talks for quite a while, to simplify that process and and whatnot, but I remember there being like a, a whole thing of like when do we schedule our plays because there's a limited number of theater productions in right. town and we don't stacking everybody on the same weekends. We actually I met with, uh, with the main community theater companies in town here are Theater Works uh, nonprofits Theater Works uh, Bruca. Reno Little Theater RLT Good Luck Macbeth GLM and Restless Artist Theater. I think I've got, oh, Spa, Sierra Performing Arts. Um, and we actually met and we taught, we started exactly that conversation of let's be able to open up communication and have a line of communication. Um, we were going to do a play that we had announced last season and then Reno Little Theater announced they were doing that play. And this has happened mm. several times. So we made an adjustment and it, it, if we had communication, we could avoid these things more. We could stagger at least our opening and closing weekends and that kind of thing. So there, there is, uh, the process has begun. Yeah. That's good. It would make, it just makes life easier. And not just for the theater companies and the patrons, for the actors, you know, because then you could look at the landscape of plays that are being produced 
do your homework, research the play, maybe buy the play and read it. And then you could specifically audition for things that you know you'd be good at. You know, general auditions are lovely and they're a great way for us to get to know you. And us knowing what talent is out there does affect the plays that we pick. We don't, we don't precast. But I have to tell you that I have read so many plays and we go, the play selection committee is like, do we have do we have an actor locally who can who can do that? Not just talent wise, but we're looking at adding more diversity. You know, do we have enough Latinx actors? Do we have enough African American actors? You know, that that we could actually cast the play because we need to cast it authentically. So those things are important for us on the play selection side, and and for you as actors to know that you've been seen. You know that we know who you are. That we know you're out there. Because yes. if you're out there, trust me, we're gonna we're gonna absolutely exploit you in every way we can, in a very loving, nurturing situation. Yeah, yeah. Getting the introduction. Mm-hmm. That's um a uh, a motto. I don't know if it's a motto that I've definitely had in the back of my mind a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I forget who. the The normal motto is it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And then the recent one that I heard that I liked a lot was it's not who you know, it's it, who knows you. It's who knows yeah. you. Yeah. I don't know. Regardless, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. So getting the introduction and getting your face in front of somebody gives somebody gives somebody the opportunity to know that you exist at all. But yeah, I don't It's all. Yeah. Well, we had 42 actors at our season audition. We, we uh, did it over a three-day period. And out of those 42 actors, I would say 30 of them were people we'd never met before as a theater company. Mm. And I wonder how many of those people were overlap or have had went to open auditions at other theaters. I don't know. We were the first ones post-pandemic to have our, okay, our okay. season auditions. But, nice. um, yeah, so, you know, right now, this season, there's still overlap, but we're hoping to no, for sure. create I, something different. Yeah. I'm just imagining, like, if that pool existed of all the theater mm-hmm. companies and all the actor pool, like, if these were just new people in general that wanted to get involved or if, you know, well, like, I don't know, I wonder. 18 of them were from my class, just saying. Oh, dang, nice. <laughs> Very proud of They probably went for extra credit. Now that you could give Actually, I made it a class assignment. (laughs) Well, there you go. All right. Yeah. How is, uh, how's all that going? I know, because we talked about the scene study, and that's Mm -hmm. the class that I took. And this is like a, this is the same class Mm -hmm. taught in a new venue. Yep. And you have quite the plethora of students currently. Yeah, we've got 24 currently enrolled. That's very cool. We cap out at 28, so. so there's still room. There's people. still room. <laughs> Sign up now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know that it, that's something that you were pushing for for a long time to get to get back up and running. And how, how is, it, is it everything you ever dreamed? Well, you know what? It's, it's uh, as I said, it's the method that Joe Police taught mm-hmm. down in L.A. And... Um, this is my payment back to him is doing these classes is it was so valuable to all of us that were in those classes. It 
creates, we become such better actors, such better crafted actors that in gratitude um, for him teaching me, I, I'm bringing it forward. He passed, uh, God, two years ago, last year, must have been two years ago. Um, so I, I really, I owe this to actors here. Um, and I won't mention names. When is this going to air? Um, not this Wednesday, but a Wednesday after. Okay. So everybody will know by then. But I just have to tell you, of those 18 actors of my class that auditioned, four of them have been cast in our first play that we open with. Mm. And after a meeting this afternoon with the other directors of the season, I'm sure there will be more. So it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference to us. It makes a huge difference to me as a director. It makes a huge difference to you as actors. You know? Um, let us know you're out there. And, oh, and here's the other thing I want to tell you about casting, right? They're not against you. The casting director really, 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 really is rooting for you, as are the directors and the producers. They want you to be exactly what they're looking for. They're not judging you. We are not judging you like, oh, they're not good enough. We, we're just looking for the character to walk in the door. We really are. I remember the first uh, film, short film that I did when I had Nevada casting, and uh, Chip McLeod, who's a local actor here, and we were we were casting for the villain. And, no, we weren't casting. We were casting for the police detective. He was a villain in another film, and he he walked in the room. He handed us his headshot and resume. I leaned over to my director and I said. Oh, God, I hope he can act because he is perfect. It was his mannerism. And he knew what he was reading for, right? He had, had his slides ahead of time. But it was just his mannerism. It's like, oh, dear God, please let this man be able to act because he looks exactly like what we're looking for. And he got called in because of his headshot. So we already knew we wanted what he looked like. So when you get called in, when you get an audition, even a general, you know, we want you to be amazing. We want you to knock our socks off. We want to start thinking, ooh, what can I put them in? Or, oh gosh, we saw this play. We read this play last year. They would be perfect in it. Let's bring it back. We really, really do. We're rooting for you. Thumbs up. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great way of looking at it for sure. Because I know actors... Maybe that's what I was going to say. Maybe it just came back to me. But I, actor acting is the weird... It's so weird. I always think about how actors can definitely feel overlooked and mm -hmm. unseen and unappreciated. And you don't care about them. You don't see them. You don't want them. You right. don't like them. <laughs> well, there are some directors that don't like working with actors, which just blows my mind. Sure. Sure. So then... I feel like there's this whiplash when you finally get cast into a project and then you show up on set and everybody's bowing to you and making sure you're happy and getting what you want. And Oh, can I work on one of those sets, please? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know the one, one that I worked on recently, the director was very 
conciliatory. Yeah. With how she dealt with the Talent, actors, yeah. because if we upset them, if we make them uncomfortable, oh, I might not get what I want. They might revolt. They might. I don't know. There might, there mm-hmm. might be a huge issue of if they're not happy, then the whole project's gonna fall apart. Wow. And so like. It was a very weird funnel system sure. where, like, there was this gate of the director, the only one that could talk to the actors. And I don't know if uh, I felt like, well, these are these are trained actors here. They know how to interact with the production. and They should. Uh, yeah, like, I think talking to them as a script supervisor is fine. Whatever. There's, yeah. There could be some protectiveness with. So then they go additional above and beyond to just make sure, all right. We have a space for you. There's this. We're taking care. So there's there's kind of two things happening there, okay? Sure. Um, no offense to crew, but you guys can be a little rough because you are fighting the clock and you are trying to get things set up, and, and I get that. I mean, I'm a producer as well as an actor, so I totally understand behind the camera. And you need, if somebody's in your way, you need to just be able to tell them, get out of my way, okay? So... I understand that. And crew all knows this, right? You guys don't take it personally. Get out of my way? Yeah. From who? From your fellow Anybody. crew. Right, right, If you're right. in their way, right? Sure. You points, don't... points, they push through. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You understand that. Actors who have worked in the business, they understand that. But when they're on set, they're not them. They're the character. So for the character in the piece, there has to not be crew there. Does that make sense? So maybe to some extent what the director is doing is kind of creating that bubble for the characters to evolve in. It, it saddens me a little to think that, that actors would, would revolt. I mean, you know, listen, it's, there, there are sag rules for a reason because not every production is always, historically yeah. has been lovely. But, yeah. you know, I mean... To have a hissy fit because you have red M&Ms in your trailer well, is, you know. It's especially because there's probably some insecurities as well. As actors normally working on these bigger productions and we're a small indie, so we don't have the amenities that this actor is used to. But if they didn't put it in their contract, then they have to let it go. Sure, and they probably, they've worked on indies plenty of times too, so they understand what they're walking into. What yeah, they're up for. yeah, regardless, absolutely, regardless. absolutely. I mean, it, at that point... With the, the the now every director handles listen on the set the director is God okay really because it's their vision that they got hired to bring to life I, yeah so but you know the actors I mean it 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 feels so much better when it's a collaborative mm-hmm. environment you know um, you can't make a movie if nobody's on camera. And you're not going to get it on camera if there's nobody behind the camera working it. So it, it, it really is, we're, we're really not diabolically opposed to each other. No, no. That's why I don't, that's why I, I, I get kind of sad with the iso- isolationist approach. Of yeah. Se- separate them. Leave, well, I, I get it. And I get it too. It's like they're the character. They we, need to prepare. We want the authentic character to show up. So right. Interact as least as possible or whatever. Well, and you know, it's know. funny because you, you get higher up in the echelon as actors 
and and it shifts because you know George Clooney plays George Clooney. Yeah. Okay. So there's always a lot of George Clooney that he brings to his character, and he's hired to do that. So he could probably pal around the set, and it would be all fine. But if you get somebody who's who's very method actor or who has to, Daniel Day-Lewis is notorious for, he has to have the script six months before they shoot, and the minute he steps on set, he never gets out of character. Viggo Mortensen's like that. Those actors wouldn't necessarily be able to pal around. You know? Mm-hmm. So some of it could be the method of the actors. Um a lot of it's on the director, you know, what the director mm. wants their mm. set to be. That's what it is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, but nobody should be holding each other hostage on a set. That I mean, I mean unless the writer wrote it that way. Yes. <laughs> good good I agree. I agree. Um What are we missing here? What's the what's the future? You you so there's rats still. Mm-hmm. I feel like this because we we catch up. I don't know how many times a year these days. Yeah, maybe yeah. six months or so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm always curious about restless artist theater. How that's going? Where that's? I mean, that's that's been a continual experiment and growth on its own. It is. It is. And during the pandemic, mm-hmm. we really got to uh, define ourselves even more. So when we started the theater company. We decided that we wanted to do modern plays. So we don't really do plays written before 2000. Edgier, smaller cast, because we have a small intimate theater. I think I think our house, we took more seats out and re- it, redid it. I think we're sitting at about 48 capacity. So it's very, very intimate. Um, our artistic director also is our landlord. He owns the building. So we're in kind of a really sweet spot. We... We don't need to do musicals. We don't need to, um, we don't have a lot of grant money. Uh, we'd love to be able to pay our actors at some point in time, but coming up with the economics for that in a town this size is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are not looking to be the big fish in a little pond. We are looking to produce theater that challenges the actor in the storytelling, that challenges the audience in thinking and in doing things. Right now, what we've got running is arsonists, and it's a two-person play. It's a gothic southern tale about arsonists and this father-daughter team. It's been in the family for decades. They're arsons. That's what they do. And... You know, the the heart and the soul of a father-daughter relationship is the heart and the soul of a father-daughter relationship, regardless of what the family profession is. So I'm really pleased with where Rad is going. We, we've really found our niche. Now we're bringing more actors into this, which... Um, is fulfilling for the actors and for the pieces. They're challenging pieces. None of them are simple. None of them are easy. But life isn't simple. Life isn't easy. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we found our little our little boutique spot. Yeah, and I know I know that uh, strong acting has been kind of the, mm-hmm. the push too, which was the whole scene study. Oh yeah, reason too with with you trying to yeah yeah. I, I mean, if you're doing the classic plays, they're lovely, but the audiences have a preconceived notion of who that character is, right? I mean, if you go to see Death of a Salesman, you have a preconceived notion about what you expect from Willie Loman. And Willie Loman can't go too far afield from classic Willie Loman, right? Because he's got all this pedigree of who's done it before. But when you're doing new plays by Lauren Gunderman mm-hmm. and, and uh, Tracy Lett and uh, Larissa Fasthorse, audiences haven't seen those characters before. So they come in really kind of with, you know, a blank piece of paper that we get to to draw and fill in the lines mm-hmm. and color. Um, we have to stay true to the script, but the audience doesn't know what to expect. Some theater people like that, some theater people don't, but that's kind of what we bring to the theater scene as, as rat theater. So continuing, yeah, so I, I imagine rat's going to continue pushing and continue mm-hmm. doing their thing for forever? Well, um, um our artistic director has a goal of directing a hundred plays. Mm. That's kind of his like a little benchmark. To that that's with. his benchmark, and occupant was play number fifty-five. So yes, I think we'll oh, be really? doing this for a while. Oh really? Yeah. Already? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. He was with uh, Reno Little Theater for eighteen years. Oh okay. His number fifty-five. His He's number fifty-five. No, number. not our. But we're pre- we must be. I have to count the posters on the wall when I go in this afternoon. But we're probably. I mean, we've averaged except our first year, we only did two. Uh, and last season we ended up with three before we closed. So that's five. Other than that, we generally do about seven shows a season, and that was our fifth season. So. And Doug directs most of them. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. I'll have to, I'll, I'll text you the number when I go in this afternoon oh, and count sure, the posters sure. on the wall. Oh. Let me just look at my notes here. See if there's any other random topics I wanted to ask about while I have you here. Oh, where is this? Oh, here we go. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know. Sometimes I'll ask about current world events and stuff, but I don't know. I don't really... It's hmm. smoky, and everybody get your vaccination, please. I mean, unless you physically can't, please get it, because I'm going a little stir crazy here. No, for sure. I mean, that's been the narrative. The, like the production I was just on, I'm sure you've heard about the processes. This one was a, a SAG production, so we had to go with what the SAG guidelines were. Mm-hmm. So I was getting tested three times a week, plus all the productions as of right now are asking for your vaccination status on top. So it's like, are you vaccinated? Yes. And it's like, all right, cool. We still need you to test. Because you could carry. We still need you to wear your mask. We still, you know, so it's, they're just adding more layers on top of it, if anything, then. And look at, if you don't want to get a vaccine, that's okay. Stay home. Just stay home. (laughs) stay home. We stayed home a lot. No, 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 no. But you know what? It's changing. I know that um, the 
the Raiders Stadium down in Vegas, that big, huge stadium. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets in if you're not vaccinated. Really? They, they, just, they just made a declaration. You do not get to come in and see a game if you are not vaccinated. Hmm. Uh, UNR, starting spring mes- semester, you have to be vaccinated to attend. We have to have a hep C mm. vaccination to attend UNR. Sure, sure. So you, you have to have been have your COVID. So I think we're going to see more of that. It's pretty intense. It is intense, intense, you know, but this thing can kill you. And now kids are getting the variants. So mm-hmm. do it for the kids. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then as far, outside of RAT, what... Uh, you mentioned Zumba. Is that Jazzercise. Jazzercise. Sorry. Same That's thing. okay. <laughs> he ja- didn't mean that, Judy and Shanna. He didn't mean that. Jazzercise. <laughs> so you're still instructing? Yeah, yeah, I'm still instructing. Not That's as many awesome. days a week, and we have to wear masks, which is fun. And I'm starting, I'm actually launching a coaching program called Inspired Woman Coaching. Mm. And I am niche marketing women over 60. Mm. using kind of that on-purpose person kind of discovery and then moving it beyond into using universal law to really define yourself because it's 60. I mean, we got a good 20 plus years left and we, we've done all that societally expected things, right? We, we went to school, we got married, we raised children, we did that. Yeah, so yeah, now yeah. What, what is our purpose and how close are we to it and do we want to do we want to pursue our bliss? So that's my new endeavor out of the pandemic. That's, that's got to be so scary. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. And, yeah. Um, so that's, you said that's coaching. Yeah, that's, inspired so, women coaching. Yeah. Okay. Is that life coach? <sighs> oh, are you trying to stay away from that term? You know, when you're 60, we, you could argue how much life, no. Okay, um, but so not, not mm, purpose coaching. <laughs> okay. It's purpose coaching, not sure. life coaching. Gotcha. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's kind of weekly on Zoom and then there's, you know, activities and I'd like to grow it into no. something, but I'm just not sure what it'll grow into yet. So we're starting where oh, we're starting. It's great. See what happens. Yeah. No, it's, uh, no I, 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 I think about my, my mom for sure. She's definitely in that, that zone. We were having what? a conversation yesterday about, um, I was trying to get out of her. I'm like. She was asking what she has these options currently in like her current job, and right? If she wants to stay, if she wants to try to move up, if she wants to switch fields, the classic, the classic questions sure. of, of what do I want to be doing with my life? What do I want to be when I grow up? Right? <laughs> so you think uh, so? Trying to trying to get the the whole bliss purpose thing. Well, I'm doing another session, a four-week session, which is kind of like the Discovering Yourself session mm-hmm. in October, and, and I am scholarshiping those. I'm going to start selling them after sure, the first sure, year. Sure. But yeah, if your mom would like to join it, it's like Tuesday mornings, 8 o'clock on a Zoom call once a week, and yeah, a little yeah. self-study. I, I think that, no, that's great to know. Yeah. I'll have to let her know about Let that. her know. Yeah, because I know, I, I, I don't know. My my own sage advice to my own mother <laughs> was mostly like having having some insight from a third party that is not connected to you in any way. Because everybody's got their um, I don't know. Like my 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 dad might have a certain view on what she should do. Sure, I have a thought on what she should do. But it's like no 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 no. We want to know what you want to do. And what do you want? And as a woman. 
especially a 60-year-old woman, we have been trained to do what everybody else wants us to do, for the most part. And that's the expectation. And the coaching I'm doing is specifically to address that, to guide women into really discovering what it is they want to do. Yeah, that's quite the habit to uh, smash, break down some, well, some thick walls. And, you, and, you, and, and there are exercises that we do in discovery, but, you know, really, it's finding your bliss. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing what you intended to do, what your purpose is. Yes. Is this a personal legend again? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's... Just to clarify. It's... It makes such sense. It's like, of course this is what I should be doing. You know, and, and there were little things all along that, that are kind of like that, but you didn't necessarily embrace it. You didn't necessarily give yourself the acknowledgement of your own value. Mm-hmm. You know, you judged like we're all afraid of walking into a casting because we're going to be judged. Show them who you are. If they want you, great. If they don't, that's okay. You don't want to work with them anyway. Mm-hmm. 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 For sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. I'm looking at the time. Great. Doing great. Um, any... Anything for me? Anything you're curious oh, about? Oh, God, keep doing time? what you're doing, Eddie. I love, we got to stay in touch. <laughs> I love following it. When when you do get to produce your next film, though, I do expect a role. Okay. I, I, I just want to say, you know, I'll probably be sick and die in the opening oh, scene. I just, it's like, well, here you asked for it. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, but, yeah, I just, I just love watching you. I love watching you grow and your work. And you know why I love it the most? Tell me. Because you're happy. Oh, cool. Thanks. Because you're happy. Yeah, it's very nice. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. It's great. No, it's been it's been amazing. I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to Yeah, no, thank you for keeping up and thanks. You're welcome. You know, yeah. I I try to um yeah, I think it's important to keep putting out that I'm loving my you know that i'm loving the pursuit and keeping people posted about the 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 creative struggle of the continual sure self challenges and and all the weight that comes with that but um but you know the value of it's worth it because it's your bliss exactly exactly no no thank you um is that your question i'm just kidding Um, yeah, so like right now, I guess, uh, just to clarify where I'm at, um, I, uh, I'm so close to joining Script Supervisor Union. Nice. Uh, have a second feature in post-production, which I'm very happy about that. Yeah. Because it grew a lot between, it's what's on the inside and what we, what we shot in May, it was two, almost two years in between right. of just straight up, uh, experience which of course you know it just all adds up all the time sure so that's in post i got the first rough cut i get a view this next week going back oh nice so that's very exciting starting pre on number three so i'll i'll keep an eye out for like what is she <laughs> what is she yeah. i can already see some options hey you don't know if you don't ask right <laughs> and uh yeah 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 freelancing plus the side hustle plus the 
I guess I guess the other current thing too is um, I turn thirty two next month, which is very exciting. Congratulations! Seems like a very no. It's you've come a long way though since college. It's been it's been some time since college. Yeah, and and a lot of experience and a lot of work. And I, I really want to acknowledge you that you were willing to take the risks. You were willing to step into territory because you felt a pull to to explore, mm -hmm. and uh, you were right. Thank you. You're welcome. No, it's. Uh... I mean that's that's the same mentality I take into every every next step is like all right explore this is the pool I got to go there ah let's do it take the step and yeah. then of course it's always wonderful yeah. but um yeah so yeah movie and post movie and pre freelancing is like I is is going crazy right now too so it's all so very good to hear it's all very nice yeah it's all very nice. I did recently. <laughs> I'm hoping to have. I'm, I'm. I want to talk to another script supervisor on the podcast soon, and I've talked to two before. Uh huh. Because like script supervisors, we don't. We're not on set together. It's right. A one right. person position. One person department. Um. So I worked on like this. Uh, this this bigger project. Um. Before I came out here. Mm hmm. And uh, it was like a 15 day anthology kind of feature right so it was like two short films every two days being shot over 15 days oh wow and um i filled in for one day and just came out and did my thing and i uh, sent my notes to the producers and the next day <laughs> the script supervisor reaches out to me and saying hey by the way um i need those i need i need your timings in you didn't include the proper timings and i was like oh shucks sorry i forgot because normally i'm working on you're familiar with timings, yes. Right. Yes. So sometimes it's beneficial for production to have a gauge of how how long the project's going to cut. Because you have the page on the script, mm -hmm. but sometimes it might run for like, that might be a five-minute thing because there's an action description that takes up whatever. Right. So it's like, how long was it actually as we shot it? Right. So what's the actual timing? So normally I don't include those numbers because I'm on so many indie projects that are just happy to be shooting their movie at all, and they don't care how long it's going to be. Right. They'll so fix that in post. <laughs> uh, so I have a current bad habit of not defaulting and doing a timing. Oh. Because nobody cares and nobody asks. But this one was a big enough project where it's like, we expect timings. So it took me five minutes or ten minutes to go through my notes. I'm like, all right, here's the timing. Sorry, I forgot. And then I got this whole email back from her saying... <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of a condescending talk of you should understand timings are very important uh, I think it'd be very good for you to speak with other script supervisors get a gauge of what our responsibilities are and um, I'm like oh thank you for being a supportive team player there <laughs> so I sassily responded to like I would love to have you on the podcast and actually talk more and, good. and, and whatnot and her and I were both I looked her up, and we we're both instructed by the same uh, script supervisor right. workshop and stuff. So we have the same background and whatever. <clears throat> we're still rolling. Nope. I'm about to. <laughs> but either way, that was a that was something that only doesn't happen, and that was a right. that was like a weird thing to experience. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. it was an indie film or a SAG film. This thing. 
was a huge production. But was it union or non-union? It was union for sure. Yeah. It was it was non-union. It was not IATSE, but it was SAG. There was SAG oh talent. right, 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 right. Because I was there. I'm not union. Right. But That's where I got confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was. Uh, was kind of a well, whatever, now whatever you that, know. I'll, I'll end on that. Yeah, now you. Yeah, and you know what? We learn those things, right? And here's the thing: there's nothing to learn when they happen. They're embarrassing, right? Um, well, I mean, the whole the whole thing was. I thought I did a very good job yeah. explaining. Oh, apologies. Sure. I've been working a lot of this other stuff that slipped. Here's 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 the stuff that you looked for. Right, yeah, you gave like, it to her. You didn't say, "Well, I didn't do it." Yeah, you know? it's like, oh, I thought I explained myself. Yeah, no, you did a good job. And then, no, I'm yeah, I know I did. <laughs> I just had to get off that off, off my chest. But this okay? is something to look forward to, because then she'll, she's going to be on the podcast, right? Ideally, she has not responded to that email, unfortunately. Oh. But I'll see what I can do. That's right. And then I'll put her on the spot. <laughs> Maybe that's why she Live. hasn't responded Live. yet. Live. No, she'd be great. I, I, would, I would be very genuine about the experience. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but last last very small question that mm-hmm. I always end on is just, I don't know how what your social media thing is these days, or if if, if people do want to follow, keep up with, let's say, Restless Artist Theater, or... Yep, we, or, have, a, we have a Facebook page for Restless Artist Theater, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Deborah Lynn Hull. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that I'm snooty, but when I got into SAG, there was already a Deborah Hull, and there was already a Deborah Lynn, and mm. so I went with Deborah Lynn Hull. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'd love to interact with you on Facebook. If you're here locally, especially, come talk to me about rap theater and and actors. I'm always interested in meeting the actors, and, and mm-hmm. if you're on projects or... Uh, you know, whatever I can do to help. Here's the thing, the, the more talent, both in front of and behind the camera that we have up here, the better our odds are of, of being able to attract the attention and getting more projects up here. So please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to meet you guys. Um, look up Rat, come see a show. Um, we've got all the COVID safety. We've got the sprayer thing that I don't know. It looks like something from Mars. But uh, Doug doesn't oh, let me play with it. Thingy. Yeah, it's got a sprayer thingy. Um, so we're, we're, we're COVID safe and a lot of fun. Very cool. And if you're in L.A., if you ever come up to Reno, look us up. Come say hi. Yeah, come say hi. Great. All right. Well, I'll leave it there. Thanks again for being a part. Thank you so much. This has been fun. It's so good to catch up with you again. Yes. Always. Always. Yes. Great to see you, too. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone.